All right. Hello, everyone. This is Daniel Williams, Senior Editor at MGMA and host of the MGMA Podcast Network. Um, Glad to have everyone here. Uh, We have taken a few weeks off with Week in Review and Ask an Advisor, and we're back with those today. So without further ado, I want to bring Christy Good on. She is the Senior Advisor with MGMA. She manages Ask an Advisor. So, Christy, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Yeah, (laughs) for sure. Now, I know we may have new listeners. We've gone into deep detail on what Ask an Advisor is previously, but just what's the one minute uh, overview or elevator pitch just for somebody who's never heard of Ask an Advisor before, who might be an MGMA member and not realize that this incredible benefit is there for them. So just give us a little rundown of what Ask an Advisor is. Sure. I I think it's a great benefit to those members because you can send us a question in from either our website or if it's a phone call through our customer service. And if you're struggling with a question or finding resources or just need someone to bounce um, ideas off of in real time, um, you can reach out to Ask an Advisor, and uh, it's like a mini consultation in a way. And um, we can we can look up resources for you. We can help brainstorm with you. We can um, give you other ideas on where to find information to tackle that question or that concern that you're currently dealing with. Perfect. Thank you for that summation there. So. We have a a new Ask an Advisor question. We're going to take a deep dive on that, and that is going to be this episode. It's going to have a single focus here today and hope that this will help you with your practice. And then when we wrap up, we'll uh, just have Christy tell us one more time, one more reminder of where you can access uh, Ask an Advisor and post those questions so Christy can uh, get into her research and put on her thinking cap and uh, get back to y'all uh, and help solve some of those challenges that you're facing. So today's big uh, Ask an Advisor question is, could you share best practices on how to manage patients that do not follow up with care? For example, the patient has a biopsy result that requires further care and The practice has attempted to contact the patient several times with no response. Christy, if you could go into detail on what those best practices are, maybe to notify the referring doc, um, maybe give some access or some uh, information on how to deal with those patients when they're being non-compliant with those appointments and follow-ups, anything, this is yours. Uh, Take it away, Christy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes, um, it is hard sometimes, you know, managing patients that don't always follow up with their care um, can be challenging. And we do offer um, some best practices that a, pra- that a practice or organization might want to take. Um, the first one is to ensure that patients receive clear and um, clear information about the port- importance of their follow up. Explain to them the risks that are possible and the consequences of not following up, as well as the benefits of timely treatment. 
Uh, the key too is to have various um, ways to communicate with those patients. Some patients might like phone calls, some people might like emails or text messages and mailed letters. So really knowing what your patient population responds to as well as individualize it um, based on you know what what they do well with for communication um, increases your chance of of getting them to respond. Um, Another key part is to maintain a record of all communication attempts you made with that patient. Uh, note the dates, the times, the method of communication for each attempt. This should be documented. Pretty much everyone's on an EHR now. So putting that in an EHR so that there is legal documentation in case anything com comes around for compliance issues down the road. Um, again, you want to, when you're talking to that patient either via text or email or phone call, it's really important to just tailor that communication to that patient. Um, and then um, what a practice can do, because we know we all get busy, is to make sure you have a way to automate reminders to um, those patients such as, hey, you know, you have this out there, we really need you to come in or we really need you to contact us or this is the importance of it and make that as easy for your practice to do because we know um, with staffing issues lately, um, it might be hard to have that time to follow up. So if you can automate that way um, to send those reminders to those patients, that would be great. Um, and, you know, sometimes the, you might need to assign specific staff members for those high-risk patients or those high-risk uh, test results such as a biopsy um, and to have maybe a navigator, a patient navigator or a patient coordinator to really um, talk to those patients. So what, however you can in your practice to individualize but make it efficient is really important so that your staff um, feel supported and the patients are getting what they need such as answers and any any barriers to their care can be removed is important. Um, sometimes you may have to involve a patient's family member or designated caregiver to also help with the follow-up process. Um, that's a HIPAA thing, so you also may have to make sure that they have been given um, access to receive that information and have that communication, so you have to watch for that. And, um, you know, you mentioned, you know, how do you, do you need to let the referring physician know, yes, um, you know, engage those primary care providers in the process, especially if it's a specialty care that is the one that's looking to give that result or looking for that follow-up care, um, because it, it's a, it takes a whole team. Um, it takes a whole care team to make sure that patient is uh, knowing what's important and why and um, how to get through those barriers to care for those patients. Um, and if you've tried to reach out and it's been unsuccessful, again, just document patient um, information um, before, you know, I mean, you have to just document everything. That's important. I know that sometimes it comes up with do we release the patient because they're not following up? You really have to um, consult with legal and ethical guidelines before taking such action because you don't want to um, have patient abandonment. So you really need to make sure that you're following all 
document and follow everything um, legally that you can um, for noncompliance. And um, and then I think the key is we're all busy. Um, some things are scary. Some things people don't want to deal with or don't have the bandwidth to deal with. And so just approach the issue of noncompliance with empathy and understanding that each patient situation is unique and there may be underlying reasons for their noncompliance. So instead of just getting upset and being like, well, this patient never calls me back um, or this patient's not coming in, really try to take a step back and see how can I open those lines of communication? What can we do to improve our patient engagement? And, you know, how, how can we make it easy for mm -hmm. these patients to have that follow-up care? Okay. Well, let me uh, jump in then. So you laid out um, a real uh, a game plan, so to speak. You, some great best practices. Um, what? Let's take it one step further. I know this was in that initial part of the question, um, but what if they just absolutely refuse the suggested treatment? Uh, what What do you do at that point? That's a good question, too. Um, so when they refuse treatment, it's important that um, a medical practice handle it again with sensitivity and respect for that patient's decision. Um, so making sure that, again, you have a thorough conversation with that patient to understand the reasons for refusing the suggested treatment and to listen actively and address their concerns or fears. I know some people are like, I don't want to take that medicine, um, or I don't want to take the chemo, or I don't want to take the the whatever it is, um, and to really listen to them and understand where they're coming from, um, collaborate with them to explore alternative treatments that might align with their preferences and values. Some might be a religious reason they're not doing something. Um, we know that can happen. Some might just be because they're afraid. Um, so just really listen to them and try and come up with some um, alternative treatment options if possible. Offer education materials, brochures, or online resources that provide unbiased information about the suggested treatment and its potential outcomes. And ensure the patient has access to reliable sources of information to support their decision making. So um, you know, you can also offer for the patient to seek a second opinion. I know a lot of people do that, especially when mm -hmm. it comes to cancers. Um, and uh, or like I've had spine surgeons. Some might say that they need a spine fusion, while another say, oh, you can go do some chiropractic care and some physical therapy. So really, you know, looking and giving them other options and um, information to seek out and kind of weigh both sides. Right. Um, and then if they continue to refuse treatment, you just really need to understand the implications for the decision and document it in the medical record. So including the discussion, the educational materials provided, the patient's reason for refuse, refusal. So it's, it's crucial to make sure you um, also obtain an informed refusal mm -hmm. uh, to so that the patient and you acknowledge that you're both understanding where both are coming from and the risks and consequences of their decision. Okay. Well, thank you for sharing that. Now, for everyone listening, Christy has put together um, several resources, some links that uh, we'll drop in the episode show notes, so you'll be able to access those. And then, 
Christy, if you don't mind, I had mentioned we, I would put you on the spot one more time, but just to give people that general reminder of where they can go, if they do have a question, um, like we had today, where would they place that? What, tell us a little bit about that one more time. Sure. Um, I do know that we've made some changes recently, uh, not only to our, well, to our website, but to what we had was ask an advisor. So we've moved to ask MGMA and that would be on our website, the MGMA.com. And then you would go and you kind of do a drop down that says, what are you looking for? Are you looking for consulting services? Are you looking for um, uh, ask an advisor? Are you looking for resources? Are you looking for different things? And then it gets routed to the appropriate group to help answer those questions. So going to our website and um, uh, going to uh, find where it says contact us, and then it tells you, kind of walks you through how to reach out. So um, hopefully that will get you to the right group and um, get your questions answered. But you can always call us too. And if you call MGMA um, and the service center at the phone number listed on our website, uh, they'll route you to the right people too and happy to help answer questions at any time. That's perfect. Thank you so much, Christy. So. That is going to do it for this episode of uh, MGMA's Week in Review podcast. Uh, this week, we focused on Ask an Advisor, and each week we want to bring you some information that's going on at MGMA that can support you in your practice um, and in your career as well. So thank you for listening, and thank you again, Daniel Williams, uh, signing off for MGMA Week in Review. Have a great weekend, everyone. If you like the work we're doing, please consider becoming an MGMA member. Learn more at mgma.com slash membership.